Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KYW Original Podcast. Always love talking with David Sampson. I want to get a, a national perspective on the Phillies as today is the first full squad workout for the Phillies at spring training in Clearwater. David Sampson's here, former president of the Marlins, host of the very entertaining podcast, Nothing Personal with David Sampson on CBS Sports. David, thank you for joining me. Uh, first things first, um, so... I think one of the things that I'm most excited about this baseball season, knock on wood, because obviously the, the health and safety of everybody is the most important thing right now. But I think the most thing I'm excited about is there's going to be 162 games. Hopefully that's, that's the plan. How does that factor into your excitement as baseball is coming back? Well, it's very exciting host, as host of Nothing Personal, but as a former executive, I'm very concerned. I'm not just concerned about the health and safety of the players. I'm concerned about the innings and the performance of the players as we get deeper into the season. Remember, the players have not played 162 since 2019. And it's very difficult when we're developing pitchers, when they go from 60 innings, maybe you build them up to 90 or to 100. Are we asking pitchers to go from 60 or 70 to 180 or 190? That is very hard on the arm. So I think that this is going to be a season of attrition and the team that has the fewest arm injuries and the team who has the position players who are able to get through the summer soreness. We used to call it the dog days of summer. Now I'm worried it's going to be the summer of injury. That, that's a great point that you bring up about staying healthy in arms because that was a big issue for the Phillies last season. It's why they didn't make that expanded playoff field. It was because their bullpen kept blowing a lot of games. They had injuries. They would have made the playoffs otherwise so in some form or fashion. So with the moves that the Phillies made this offseason to improve their bullpen, and they added a couple of guys who could be in the rotation, what did you think of the Phillies offseason? I think they address their bullpen issues, but here's the problem in baseball. The bullpen that you build during the offseason, 100 out of 100 times, is not the bullpen that you use to finish a season. And so while all these teams are focused on improving their bullpen offseason, we tried that so many times over 18 years. The best way to do it is to go in with whatever bullpen you have, 
but then be willing to make adjustments, have enough money available to bring on the hot bullpen arm from a non-competing team during the course of a season. The Phillies, their biggest issue is going to be starting pitching and finding a way to make their team better, even though what they did by bringing back JT, by bringing back DD, by continuing to have Bryce, they pretty much stayed the same. And so, therefore, I think it's going to come down to starting pitching for the Phillies. Did you like the moves that they made with starting pitching, Chase Anderson and Matt Moore? To me, that is, uh, it, it sounded and felt like Marlins moves, <laughs> where you're hoping that you get overperformance from players. You're hoping that you're not, you know, you can't sign Bauer. We couldn't sign a guy like Bauer when we were with the Marlins. So, what I would tell my guys is the following. Don't talk to me about the top of the free agent arms. Don't talk to me about the best arms available through trade. Find me arms who are going to win the comeback player of the year. Find me a top 15 Cy Young candidate who's not even on anyone's list. That's how you make a difference when, you, when you're in development or on, in scouting for a team like the Marlins. And for the Phillies and their high payroll, they shouldn't be acting like that. So, so you're not impressed then. What I'm hearing is you're not impressed with those additions, those additions to, to hope to try to make the most out of a value contract in a sense. They could absolutely work out, but you're asking me to be impressed. What would impress me is for the Phillies to have better allocated their huge payroll, and they do have a problem. I mean, listen, I love JT Realmuto. I love him. I, I was with him from the beginning. He's worth every penny. But when you look at what the Phillies needed and why they have not made the playoffs, and even with Bryce Harper, when they signed him, the thought was, wow, they're now going to win a title. The reality is, because the Marlins made the playoffs in the expanded playoffs last year, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011. And what I've always been taught and what's always been true is that pitching wins rings. Okay, so the Phillies are hoping that their pitching with Nola and Wheeler and Eflin and They'll somehow fill those last two spots, and they're hoping with the addition of Archie Bradley, maybe Brandon Kinsler, who is with the Marlins, they're hoping all those pitching additions can get them over the top. How did they stack up with the rest of the National League East, which is very good? All the other four teams, even the Marlins, who made the playoffs last year, are very good. How do they stack up with those teams? Well, let's go from the bottom up and see who the Phillies are better than. They're better than the Marlins. The Marlins were 31 and 29, but were it not for a 60 game season, I don't think they would have finished above 500. They have a pretty exciting rotation, but their offense is just not going to be nearly good enough to win games. You know, having Starling Marte is fine, but they really don't have much around him. Then you look at the Braves. Let's go to the top. They've won the division a couple years in a row, maybe three years in a row. What did they do to get better? Don't sleep on Charlie Morton and his experience and his ability to come in and both inside the clubhouse and on the field. Drew Smiley was probably an overpay, but gives you some rotation depth. Bringing back Ozuna is good, but again, that doesn't make them better. What makes them better is a year older of Acuna, a year older of Albies, and Freeman on the last year of his contract, obviously the anchor of that team. Then what about the Mets? The Mets come in with Steve Cohn, a new owner. You think he's going to suffer from new owner-itis and bring in some of the top guys? He signs James McCann, a complete overpay, a second-tier catcher, really, but fine, an upgrade over what they had. Then you trade for Francisco Lindor, top two, top one, two, or three shortstop, along with Carlos Carrasco. They signed Taiwan Walker, fine, some good depth, but they didn't get that one piece that, for me, and even Lindor doesn't count as that, 
the one piece in the rotation to go behind DeGrom because counting on Stroman and counting on Carrasco to be number twos, it's just not going to work. And when Syndergaard comes back in the middle of June, your first season back from Tommy John, you're on an innings restriction, you're on a pitch restriction, and often the performance of a pitcher right out of Tommy John is not what you're hoping it can be. So the Mets are fine, but I don't view them as a juggernaut. Then you look at the Nationals and you look at the top of their rotation. Does Scherzer have yet another year, another year in the fountain of youth for a long-term deal that's actually been great for a team, the Max Scherzer deal? Patrick Corbin coming off a tough year, but 60 games, I'm not even counting 2020 as anything. Will Strausberg's surgery for carpal tunnel syndrome, will that cure it? Is his numbness gone? Can he, you know, on the other side of 30, go back to being a true number one, number two starter? And then the best player in the division is on the Nationals, period. End of discussion. Juan Soto is the best player in that division. So don't sleep on the Nationals either. The NL East is a tough division. The Phillies, even with their payroll, are not guaranteed anything. But boy, is it going to be fun to watch all season long. Sounds like you think it's going to be very competitive all, all the way through. If you had to make an early prediction on the first day of full squad workouts at, at spring training, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I know it's a long season. Who, who are you thinking right now wins the National League East? Well, I've done 10 million simulations in my head. I've done every game for every team against every player with every possible injury, with every possible emotional issue, figuring out who exactly is going to have COVID, who's going to get hurt. And I put it all through the brain and out came the Braves. I see the Braves winning this division. I think they're the best team in the division. I think their streak does continue. Do the Phillies then end their playoff drought, assuming that there's no more playoff expansion and they stick to 10 teams, do the Phillies then end their playoff drought and become a wild card team and go to the playoffs for the first time since 2011. Well, you know, I'm nothing personal. I give it to you straight. And I know I'm in Philly and I want to say yes so badly because I want you to have me back. I just don't see a path to the playoffs for the Phillies in the national league. I think it's too tough. I think when you look at the NL West and you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Padres, you look at the NL East, you look at the Braves, the Mets, the Nats. I'm not sure the Phillies are better than a fourth place team. But that's the beauty of this season. When you're going from 60 to 162, you really, really can't know what's going to happen. So all those prognosticators, the way we would do it, we'd walk into the clubhouse day one. We would put up the standings where they show the Marlins in second or fourth or fifth or wherever they were. And we just rip it up and say, guys, go play every day, work hard, and let's see if we can get lucky and be smart. My follow-up then is, do the Phillies finally have a winning record for the first time (laughs) since 2011? You know, winning 81 games, I didn't finish above 500 after 2009. So from 09 to 17, and we had Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna. We had Jose at the top of the rotation for a number of those years. And we could not find a way to win 81 games. It's just not that easy. I think the Phillies have a bunch of good players. But the player to watch if you're in Philly, Velasquez has to become a number three instead of a number seven. I think that sort of projection is going to be helpful to them. You have to see where Nola's going to be. So I'm going back to pitching. Wheeler's got to become more of a 1A, if you will, on that team. And if all those things happen, then I think you could see 81 or above. But you see the Phillies, from what I'm hearing, in fourth place. You see them finishing behind Atlanta, New York, and Washington in the National League East. I didn't say that. Did you You say say that? that? No, I didn't say that. I just said that I think the Nationals and the Mets – and the Braves will finish ahead of the Phillies, but one, two, 
three. Oh, yeah. That's oh, God, four. you're right. That's fourth place. <laughs> <laughs> Although simulations are starting to, to you know, you're, not, you're getting all number jumbled up in there. That's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a okay. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of the rules because you were bringing up earlier about pitching and, and attrition and so on and so forth. Seven inning doubleheaders and runner on second base and extra innings. Do you like that those rules are staying? Well, I was on the competition committee and I wanted the extra inning rule for the last, you know, 10 years, because I think as an executive, 18 inning games just mess up your bullpen and your rotation and the players are hurting. It's too long to play. I love the excitement. I love when people don't get down on the knob in extra innings and just try to hit home runs because that's boring to watch. And that's what our game has become. But in extra innings, get the runner over, get him in. That's what we'd preach. There's a lot of strategy, whether you're on the road or at home. What do you do with the man on second in a tie game if you're down one, if you're down three runs? So I do like that rule very much. In terms of seven inning double headers, I can't tell you the number of double headers I had because of rain, delay, uh, rain delays or yep. rain outs. It's brutal, not just on the executives for being in the ballpark for 10 hours. It's brutal on the players. And the players are there. They're playing 18 innings. So you can't, you have to play your backup catcher in one of the two doubleheader games. So you're playing your backup catcher in one extra game per week. And that's very difficult for many teams to do. I think seven innings makes the most sense to me when you're doing doubleheaders. And in this time of COVID, when you could have games postponed like that at the snap of a finger, and you've got to try to get games in, you don't want to take away off days because off days are critical in August and September for a team that's going to be successful in October. The seven inning doubleheader is the way to go. So we talk about uh, player health, player safety. Uh, I'm surprised that this is the way it is at this point this year because it seems like it's an issue over bargaining. It seems like it's a silly issue over bargaining, and it may not even be around next year, and that's the National League uh, pitchers hitting again. I, I don't understand it. I heard Zach Wheeler yesterday, and Wheeler is excited about hitting again, but then again, he's a decent hitter for a pitcher, so I get it. And he was talking about how you know keeps him in rhythm and – he didn't like sitting and not, not coming up the bat and everything. And I, and I get that. But I just, after a year without it, I don't understand why the players would not accept that when Major League Baseball proposed it. What, what do you think about that? When two people don't get along, they can get in a room, they can look up in the sky, and there's not a cloud in the sky. One side says, hey, look at how gorgeous that blue sky is. And the other side says, blue? That's not blue, that's gray. And they're looking at the same exact thing. That's what's going on right now with owners and players, management in the union. They cannot agree on the shape of the bargaining table right now. This is all about next year's collective bargaining agreement because the current one expires at the end of this year. There's going to be a very heavy negotiation. And what each side said to themselves this offseason, we're not even going to give a millimeter, even when we agree that it's best for baseball, even when we agree it's a rule we want, even when we agree it helps us, we're not going to agree because if the other side wants it, that means it's something we should by definition not want. And that mentality scares me when it comes to the relationship between owners and players. It is scary. And, and I grew up watching National League Baseball, so I like I like the strategy. I like the double switching, but I, I just, I don't see the logic in bringing it back when you had it away for one season. But uh, it's it, like you said, it's about nego- a negotiation. And this, this I have a firm stance on. I liked playoff expansion. Uh, maybe, maybe eight teams in a field in each league is too much. Maybe it, I, I personally liked it. It did not affect, like the Dodgers still went to the World Series and won the World Series last year. The best team still, the Rays still went to the World. It's not like, 
um, the team that finished eighth ended up going to the world. So it didn't affect, I'm sure it could if they did it, but what do you think about playoff expansion? I think it should be more than five teams in each league. What do you think? Yeah, playoff expansion is very important because it puts more money in the coffers of the owners, which then will filter down to the players. But you've got to reward winning the division. What happened last year is when there's no buys. The Dodgers did make it to the World Series and win it, but they could have lost in the first round. Even the best teams in baseball win 105 games, lose two in a row at some point during the season. So you've got to reward first place teams. I think expanded playoffs to 14 makes sense Mm -hmm. because you've got to get more teams with hope through August and September, because then you have a better chance of increasing gate revenue and the more revenue you get, the better it is for players. But that's another example of something where the players said, no way, we're not giving you expanded playoffs because that's money for you that you're going to use to try to recoup some of your losses from the pandemic. And you're not going to let that filter down to the players. But what the players don't understand is we're in charge. We, it's they, it used to be we. (laughs) They're in charge. If owners are running a business and that business has lost money, they are going to find a way to make up for those losses. And they're going to do it. If they can't do it this year, they'll do it next year or the year after. And the way to balance your budget in baseball, cut your payroll. So that's what you saw in baseball throughout. Maybe 25 teams went down out of 30. You're going to see that continue because there's not going to be enough revenue. Well, I think the fear of the players is, at least from what I'm reading, is that they're afraid that if more teams make the playoffs, less teams are going to try hard to make the playoffs since it's easier. I get the sense you don't don't believe in that philosophy. Well, that's because I ran a team for 18 years. And here's something I never said to myself. You know what I want? I want to win 81 games and lose in the first round. That's my dream. I'm going to build a team to win 81 games and then lose in the first round. Come on. I want rings. I got one ring and I was chasing Amy for the next 14 years trying to get the second ring. That's what owners want. They want their legacy. They want their ego. They want their rings. They want their parades. No one builds a team on the hope that maybe they'll lose in the first round. No, it, I, I, I would like to see expand the playoffs. Hopefully there's a, there's a deal struck right before the first pitch this season like there was last season. That would be great. David Sampson, CBS Sports, Nothing Personal with David Sampson Podcast, former president of the Marlins. Always appreciate your insight and opinion. And, I, and I'm looking forward to talking to you later in the season when maybe, just maybe, your opinion of the Phillies is a little bit brighter and more positive than it is right now. David, thank you for the time. Take care. Thank you so much. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.